Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, two-time Olympian for Argentina. She is a 12-time Argentine champion. She's the, a, a national record holder, 100 and 200 breasts. She was an All-American for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And now she is DC United's Director of Mental Performance and Culture. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Agustina De Giovanni. How's it going, August? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. so much for taking the time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to sit down and have a chat with us about high performance and athletics, uh, the highest level. So let's just get down to it. Everyone wants to know how you perform at the highest level, what, what the secret code is, um, both mentally and physically. You have what I think is a really great philosophy about this. So to start off, to, to give our listeners an idea of what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you do it. Can you just give us your philosophy on um, what the key is to high performance? I know that's a big question, but um, especially the mind-body connection and how you juggle that in your day-to-day. Right. Um, like you said, it's a big question, but if I can say some things that we work on every day, it's understanding that whoever you ask, uh, how many athletes I come to my office or even want to have the sessions through Zoom, um, I ask them how much or how important the mind is when you have to perform. They tell you more than 90%. Some of them, they say 100%. Some of them say 85 And actually, we spend less than 10% of the time in training the mind. So the way we're trying to approach it is we, we call it, I call it the mental gym because we take the mind as a muscle. We train the mind exactly like we go to the dry land or you do some like lifting weights or things like that. Understanding that the mind is that important and the more you know, you know, information is power and the more you know about yourself and how your mind works, you want how it works under pressure, how it works when you are way too tired to to think didn't practice because you have been swimming for six hours or, or you've been running for so long or we've been competing in like the heat of summer is really hot here. So we're trying to understand that um, the more you get to know yourself, the better you're going to perform. And there is no way around of working hard. You know, working hard is a part of it and adding to your routine the, the importance of taking the time and putting yourself out there to work on the mind side, I think is, is one of the key of our work. So we, I think we've seen mental health become a huge emphasis across our, our entire country, across our culture, um, but mm-hmm. certainly within sports and high performance as well, because we're realizing <laughs> that the mental side of it is so important and it's a muscle you train just like the rest of the body. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, if you're sitting down with an athlete for the first time, you know, or you're, you're getting to know an athlete, um, how, how do you start that training process and, and what are you looking for from their side and what are you doing to help them along that process of training the mind? 
first, depending on if somebody sent them or if they're actually there because they want to, because sometimes coaches like just go see Agus. That's it. There's not there's no choice, you know. And and I understand and I have to, you know, try to um see what they are trying to uh, why they're here, you know, because I don't believe in I have to force you to, to work with me if you don't believe it. Um, I could I could show you how I work, but at the end of the day, if you don't believe it, that then there is no much of a point of working together. Same thing as if you don't believe on, I don't know, doing weights or stretching or things like that, then you're not going to do it or it's not going to work for you. Um, so the first, when I sit down with people that actually want to be there, um, I try to to understand first. I think is even though the technique is so it's almost uh, the same. I think we are different, and I like my job is understanding that we are all different and we work in different ways and we react different ways because we're human beings first uh, before uh, being an athlete. And we have a history. And if, even if I work with foreigners like me, or if I work with depending on which sport. So I think I, I do take that into account. And then I, I start asking questions where I need to understand where he or she wants to go and where she or he is standing today and try to work that gap, you know, and try to make a plan to close that gap as much as we can and as fast as we can through hard work. So we he or she can achieve whatever he wants um, in the in the mind type does it make sense yeah definitely so from from your end um again kind of breaking it down a little further on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. is it just talking right is it just kind of this back and forth dialogue or are there actual exercises that you have your athletes doing for, for the mental side as well as for the physical side no 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 we do we do more yeah exercises or direct direct uh, activities where of course first of all i need to know again where they're coming from where they want and, and their goals and then trying to uh, uh for them to understand how important it is they work from monday through friday for them to perform on saturday it's, it's particularly in soccer that i work and we play on saturday we play on sunday and understanding that whatever you do Monday through Friday is going to be reflected in your performance on Saturday instead of all the way around, you know? Sometimes uh, it's nobody's fault, but nobody taught us that uh, whatever we do when we perform is a result of the process, you know? And it sounds really simple or easy, but it's not something really common in the world of high performance. Um, So, when they understand that having intentional training is really important, that's one of the first exercises we do is understanding that you have to have goals every day from yourself. Like, for example, in a group, um, it's different from swimming. You know, we are more used to think about your ourself because it's an individual sport. Of course, we hear our coaches what they want. If we work uh, speed training one day, if it's re- recovering or threshold or everything, uh, they tell us what to do, but we know, for example, I was a breaststroker, so I wanted to work on my kicking. I wanted to work on my, I wanted to flow better. So I did have naturally without realizing personal goals. However, in group sports, especially, um, is th- that is not that common. They are used to say, okay, everybody has to follow the coach, which is fine, but they don't have the intentional training. So 
when you do, when I mean intentional training, I said, okay, what do you want to achieve in this practice? You know, what do you want? Understanding that you have the power to control what we can control and try to have your own goal besides your coaches. It doesn't mean that your coach's goal is not important. It's very important. But also you as, as a personal um, athlete, like for example, today, he might be uh, playing for this United, but tomorrow he wants to go to Europe or go to South America. And to do that, to do, that, he needs to uh, do certain things. And when he understands the first is an individual, and as long as he's, he's well and he's performing well, the team is going to perform well too. So understanding that, that, that part, so they go and say, okay, you, you have today um, a goal, and then go get it and then tell me how it is. And sometimes they forget. Because the mind is, you know, it's everywhere and it's not, they're not used to it. So let me see if I have it here. We have, for example, uh, wristband. Well, this is in Spanish, but it means process. And the other ones that says MIT, which is the most important task. There are things that we put it on, you know, every day. And we have a goal and we write it down here. So when they go to practice, it's, uh, except for goalkeepers that so they have to wear gloves, they have it here and they're ready down. Like I do write it down too. So every day you do have at least one goal. So when they are, whenever they are training and they forget about it, but at least your mind is seeing this, then they remember. So they uh, uh, try to incorporate certain things for them afterwards to have more automat automatic uh, process and they, they remember what to do. I know I did it way too long, but I tried to, to explain how, how it works from understanding a from being an individual uh, athlete in a group sport. Absolutely. That was a great explanation. Uh, <laughs> very appreciative for that. Um, I've, I've, I've got lots of follow-ups. First off, what is an example of a goal that you personally might set, you know, being um, the, the director of mental performance and culture on this team? Um, what kind of goals are you setting on a day-to-day -day basis? For the athletes, for example, um, depending on the role in the, in the field, defenders, you know, attackers, midfielders, understanding what coaches wants, uh, want you to perform on Saturday. Sometimes either it's too many things or not too detailed things. So they actually know they have to run and they don't know they have to go right, but exactly how, when, um, when do you have to uh, walk, when do you have to wait. So there are things that they can, may seem simple, but again, what's simple usually is not easy. So I have to tell them first to go back and say, what happened Saturday? What, it, what are the things that you would like to get better? Because we do have a, a reflection part, which is short, but an important part where you had to reflect on what we did, what usually we call it the 33% three, three, three forgotten part, where you, you, know, you plan 33%, you perform 33%, but usually you don't reflect when we have on a schedule as busy as we do. Sometimes we play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and getting into that rhythm, then you have to forget and, and try to move forward. Or what the only thing you remember is your mistakes, are your mistakes, which for your confidence is not always the best thing. So we try to make it as reflection and not, hey, I did everything wrong or things like that. So one of the goals we like that, hey, what did you reflect on? And what would you like to do better on Saturday and write it down? Sometimes it's to communicate better, you know? Sometimes it is to, to, to try to hit the ball in certain, in certain ways. Sometimes in soccer it's called the second ball. So specific, specific things 
that they have to perform better for the, for the next match. So speaking of, you know, you're obviously talking soccer lingo and, um, yeah, you have a, let's go swimming. <laughs> well, so I, I'm curious how you got here, right? You're, you're working with uh, the DC United professional soccer team, but you have such a rich swimming background. How did that transition come about for you? Well, I started working with, with swimmers, of course. Uh, I did work with swimmers until the Tokyo Olympics. And, and I would love to, I, I still work with some, with some swimmers on the side. I don't only work with the DC United athletes, you know, all, all the, but in the afternoon, I also work with athletes around the world. And some of them are swimmers. Um, it's just something that it was uh, organically just developed. I come from Argentina where soccer is like, it's like a religion. It's the most important thing you can have. And we all sort of know uh, the soccer world and, uh, you know, just mm, I I met with one of the coaches and he was interested in my work. He he, he knew some athletes that I've been working on in Europe, and also one of the Olympic swimmers that I work on in Europe. And that's how we started. And I said, yes, why not? I do believe that uh, only staying in swimming was going to be my comfort zone. And I wanted to, you know, get. Uh, uh, more a broad experience and also getting into uh, a group um, sport. So I, I am working on, on swimming too. I can't, I cannot do it because it's my love, but you know, that's why I, I said yes to the soccer world. Yeah. So let's get a little bit of background info on you as an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. I am really curious about how would you describe your mental state when you were an athlete you know were you practicing a lot of these things that you're now teaching as an athlete or did you have to you know learn them yourself during your career or after your career I think and I cannot be too objective because I love swimming so I try to be as uh no I'm not applying my love into swimming and be try try to be uh, how do I say realistic but I do think swimming is one of the best sports uh, in a sense that it makes you develop certain skills without you even being conscious since you're little. You know, we work on um, routines and habits and work on discipline, we work on self-control, you know, some things that I have to teach some of these uh, professional athletes, worldwide athletes, and that for us, for swimming, I have to talk for myself, that was normal because I, we started swimming and at 4.30 or 5 in the morning when we are 12, you know, when we're 11, we go to uh, to school. I was back in Argentina with them, and uh, swimming is not as um, popular sport there, and there are not many swimming pools, so we had to drive a lot, and the swimming pools are not uh, heated up, so winter was terrible. Yeah, you know, things that in countries like that happen. So you do develop resilience. You did have to develop certain skills to, 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 to perform, you know. On the other hand, I, if I have to tell you, I didn't have all the skills that today I teach. I wish I did. I think that's also one of the reasons why I started uh, working in this uh, mental performance because I feel like oh, I wish I had it and I didn't know. Um, I don't blame anyone but but myself or but my upbringing or but whatever. It's not it's not a blaming thing, but I don't think I had I had it all, and I wish I had because there are certain things where your focus, your awareness, your 
and certain things that um, you control what you can control that we work on so much today. Sometimes by being young or, you know, I came to Alabama when I was 19 and now in English. So I had so many things between myself and the performance that sometimes you learn, but it wasn't the ideal environment, uh, the ideal for me to perform. So I can tell you, yes, I had a lot of things, but I also miss a lot of things. That's why now I want to make sure that uh, I can help as many people as I can. Yeah. So if you had one aspect or, you know, one quality of the things that you teach now, you know, if you could have one, one of those things as an athlete, um, is there one that you would choose to have? You mean that I didn't have or that I had? That you didn't have. Yes. Um, Until I got to Alabama, I did not understand the importance of the process over the outcome. I learned from Nick Saban. After that, I became a big football fan. So I, I learned from him. But until then, uh, it was more about forcing things. And even though I trained very well, I didn't miss any practice. I understood that you, your progress is, uh, goes hand-to-hand to your preparation, you know, it's a, you know, and you need certain amount of time to see some results. I wasn't aware of um, uh, the the importance of, importance of understanding how in the process uh, plays a big role, and you get so much into oh, I had to drop a second, I have to do this, I have to do some certain cuts that I don't think I think that was one of my weaknesses, you know. Um, I became obsessed on timing instead of saying, okay, you know what, hold on. I learned that my junior and senior year in Alabama. So <laughs> I have to, I have to ask, did you ever get to talk to Nick Saban? Just, uh, hi, how are you? And just very short, uh, we used to go to the same church. So that's when I, nice. I was closer to him, uh, his, <laughs> his wife and stuff like that. But then didn't the, the every day we used to back then we share the the gym and his uh, uh, strength coach used to coach us. Uh, coach, you uh, had coach the same Cochran. strength coach as the football team. Well, the Olympians did like Coach Cochran and um, okay, yes, and gotcha. the other one TJ. Uh, those two were very important to us, and I still uh, I learned a lot, a little lot from them, especially in summertime when everybody was gone, and we used to I used to be a big up I, I like to learn you know so I used to go there and, and spend time I didn't have anything to do I didn't know any I didn't know many people so I was just you know a, a big uh fan of sports yeah yeah uh so in terms of high performance mm-hmm. um you know obviously the 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 higher you get the more pressure there is to perform and we were talking the other day about how it's much more becoming just you know, how, how you react in the moment, the, the, like you said, preparation is a big part. And I think there's so many athletes that put in the work and, and that prepare, but then it's kind of like whoever's on that day. Right. And which, which builds pressure, um, especially mm-hmm. in our sport, if it, if it's a high, high profile meet, like world championships, Olympics, NCAAs, um, 
So I'm curious on your take of how you prepare athletes for those high pressure situations, um, just dealing with pressure generally, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is a huge part of being a professional or or a high performance athlete. Um, Are there certain, you know, things that that you do to address uh, just general pressure at that highest level? Yeah, Uh, we're going to try to understand and tag we train it one one day at a time and how important it is how you take one day you know of course this is obviously but one day makes a great week weeks months months are a great year right so we go back to we even use an app uh that it's called habit share where you depending on your goal like we talk at the beginning what is your goal where you are today and that's the gap and we plan to close that gap by closing that gap we need to plan what we what we do every day right and for me to be my best version i have to get up certain time i have to like even today that i'm not um an athlete anymore like i used to be i still have to swim i still have to work out for me to be the best mental coach that i i I could or the best my best version today thursday you know um so going back to the athletes understanding that I know it's a cliche thing, but living in the present, being here and understanding that today is the same as tomorrow and it's going to be the same as the day after because the most important thing is your effort that you're putting on. You know, we don't, we try to understand in the process of an outcome means that if you want to judge your practice to be judged by your effort, if you're putting 100% effort instead of the results, because sometimes you have no controls. Usually you have no control of the results but you do have control of what you do about it, right? So I understand like for swimming, you know, it's one shot sometimes just to get the A cut for some countries or for the United States going to trials and things like that. And it feels like it's one time, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half. And like try to take that, again, what you do Monday to Friday is going to do, it's going to replicate what you do Saturday or whenever you swim. So try to take, the, the, the days are always the same you know, and, and, and understanding that you're not only a swimmer and the life, like take life as, as, as a part of it, like, sorry, it's sports, it's a part of your life and not all the way around. So having perspective and trying to do the, the drone, we, we, we call it, we, we're getting up ourselves in a drone or a helicopter to watch what's going on and try to get detached from the moment and then take it a uh, perspective and understanding the, the, the importance of it but not the excessive, like, important of, it doesn't define you, it doesn't define you as a person, either if you make the cut or not. I know it sounds very ph- philosophical, but the athletes like that, and they feel um, they are in a safe environment where, because one of the things that, that I think for my weakness of my weak point when I was an athlete was my performance defined me. So it was really hard for me to do the retirement because it was my, uh, it, it was who I was, right? It, it defined me. So then without the, the sport, it was really hard, that transition. Thank God I, I went to college and had a, a degree, right? Not all the athletes do that. So it's even harder retirement. So going back to the performance, understanding the, the, the real importance of, the, of, of that event and taking the, the days that are always the same, that are as important because the most important is you, right? And what you do, what you put on it. And if you are used to giving 100% of whatever you do, 
then they're supposed to be the same. I know it sounds easy to say, it's hard to apply, but if you if you practice it, it's not as hard as it sounds. It's not like as hard that. as it sounds. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, so <it's> contradictory. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we were also talking on our news podcast the other day about um, the pressures that social media brings, obviously, which is just blown up in the last decade, right? And I'm sure um, that's affected your job and how you do your job. And um, I'm curious if it just what you've noticed about how social media affects the athletes, affects high performance, and what kind of pressure that adds, or maybe subtracts um, from the athletes that you're working with. No, I think it adds, it adds it if you don't know how to handle it. You know, before you might when I used to race, I didn't have that pressure. So I, I didn't have to do that. But now where that gap of people reaching you is, is not, you know, anyone can get in touch with you on Twitter or Instagram or whatever you use. So uh, I think that pressure is, uh, if you don't have to handle it, can actually damage your, your, your performance uh, big time because even though you might not know who is talking about you, still it hurts to read or to hurt or to hear that they are talking certain things about you. Uh, and that's not cool. And if you're not trained and if you are not aware, if you're not controlling what you are going to choose to let in or out, that's another thing that we, we train, um, then your goal is always going to be affected by it. So I think it has a lot of pressure. Uh, and even though we train and we control it, you still have to train to, to, to don't get affected by it. So you have to develop a tool, which is, is great. You know, you get better, you always continue learning. However, I think um, it's a, the, 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 the negative part of social media that it comes, it comes with it, you know? Yeah, and so to follow up on that, um, how, how would you guide athletes to train for handling the social media aspect or, or the pressure that that spe specifically social media can bring when, when you're focusing on high performance or when you're at a big competition? Yeah, well, first of all, if it's a one day meet or match, if it's soccer, if it's in swimming, uh, don't get into social media <laughs> first. Second, if you, are, uh, if you are training long enough to, to don't be affected by it, um, then just try not to read, you know, just choose because what happened with social media or anything that comes from outside, you're not choosing it, right? And you are quote unquote a victim of, of it when because when you're not choosing and you're affected by something that you are not aware is coming, then you're impacted by it. You're going to get hurt somehow. Or you know, if you don't know I'm going to tell you something or I'm going to say something you're not prepared, um, I'm going to hurt you. And uh, even though I don't want to hurt you, I might hurt you because I'm saying things in a way that, that you don't like it because I don't know you enough. So try to understand that social media needs to, even though everybody uses this and we think, oh, since everybody uses it, it's, it's like something that is harmless. No, it is not. Because again, um, even though you, you might control who is in, in your Instagram account, for example, or something like that, you, you, don't, you don't choose what they write. And trying to manage how much time you spend in, in, in social media and on what you are going to do before races, 
I think it's important because even though we train not to get affected by it, when you are closer to a meet, we are more sensitive we are, or you're more vulnerable because you're getting more anxious and your focus differs. So I try to, for them to, to avoid as much as they can and get surrounded by, by those who actually want to want the best of you and they know you well enough to, to know what to say or not to say closer to the race. So going back to your career, you competed in two Olympics, uh, mm-hmm. from, from your first to your second games, what do you feel like you learned, you know, just from going to one coming into your mm-hmm. second, did you feel more prepared? Did you feel less prepared? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mentally, were you able to reach a new level having that second experience? Mm-hmm. Of course, also, you know, there's another uh, variable there. When you're coming from a country like we are coming, South America or not as developed countries, you have another thing to think about that it is um, being in an environment like an Olympic. And of course, for even for Americans, it might be something huge, but the Olympic village for someone that is coming from a small town where there's not even swimming pool, all this, so the pools are not even heated or sometimes you have, some animal, you know, swimming in the in the pool from that. I was uh, 18 or 17, 18 when I went there. From that to Athens, that after that, you know, Alabama, compared to the, the campus of Alabama and uh, compared to the, the Athens and the, uh, the, the Olympic Village or, or the infrastructure, it was sort of similar. So if I would have gone to, uh, uh, to Alabama before Athens, then the, the, the shock wouldn't have been as much, but, going from my hometown, no, no, in English. And it was overwhelming for somebody. You know, it wasn't only the swimming part. It's a cultural thing that it's hard to understand now because I've been here for so many years and you get used to this, this country is great. And for everything in sports, you have so many things that, of course, we take it for granted, but it's not normal in the rest of the world. So I had that to, to tell you the truth. So in Athens, I was all the time like, in shock and I couldn't communicate only with my with my with my teammates or, or my country because you, uh, we speak Spanish and not English. So in the swimming part, of course, I didn't have much um, international experience. You know, in Argentina, the our international experience going to Brazil, which is like two hours flight away. Now it's you know the world seems smaller, but back then it's not. It's only twenty years ago, but it wasn't that that easy to travel. And the second Olympics, of course, uh, even though the infrastructure was awesome, you know, Beijing, everything was great and, 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 and way different from Athens. Um, I had spent already four years in Alabama. I went to school there. I knew more, knew more people. The language was totally different because I could get around by myself and not depending on other ones. So, of course, in that sense, as an as a experience, was was much easier and of course, by swimming in NC2As, you know, swimming in NC2As for four years in a row before the Olympics uh, helps you a lot. Talking about that pressure on, on performing uh, in high level because, you know, America has great swimming systems. So I think, of course, from one to the next, it was a huge difference. Which, which totally makes sense. And uh, I'm guessing <laughs> just going to a games your first time and your second time is a big difference. Um, but I was curious your, your take on it. I'm curious just about your career in general. When you think back to swimming, 
Are there, do you have memories that stand out the most to you? Or do you have a favorite swimming story or, or a favorite meet that you ever attended? Stories. Oof. I don't know. I just have such a uh, great memory from my experience in Alabama that I will have to tell you my whole college career. There are, of course, stories, you know, uh, not knowing the language. I only knew the written part to take the SAT to go into Alabama, which I didn't know there was an, an accent. And so I didn't understand anything at all, at all. Uh, good thing that it was swimming, that you don't have to talk, you just have to, you know, swim. So <laughs> the only the only part that I felt at home was in, in a pool. And, and uh, then my coach, uh, she's great. She's still a uh, great swimming coach. She was Australian, so she also had an accent. So I was totally lost. So she had to write things down, which is perfect because it's number. So I didn't have to do any effort about that. But then it took me, I used to go to class because, you know, you have to go to class to be a part of the grade because you had to have a GPA, a good GPA and things like that. But no clue what they were saying. No clue what they were saying. And, you know, and with the accent, you know, and I didn't know they existed and an accent existed. So um, that was a whole adventure of was just staying there. And sometimes they would say, come in the afternoon for someone to make up an exam that I did take the exam and I thought we all had to go in the afternoon so I had to change my whole swimming schedule to go in the afternoon and I went there and they told me no you, you don't have to be here you already came in the, in the morning so very embarrassing things for not understanding the, the, the language it happened a lot in my freshman year um, I was very embarrassed the whole year until it's just let go because you have an accent I was I was very embarrassed to talk because I have a really thick accent and I only knew numbers, colors, and things like that. And then, you know, the team was really great. And, uh, and then you you started to develop your community and things like that. But stories um, for swimming, I don't know, not, no, not understanding the training. You know, sometimes they'll say, I don't know, go swimming, fly, or some drills and fly, and I'll swim breaststroke, you know, very embarrassing things, you know, <laughs> things like that. I don't know. I, I'm sure I'll, I'll remember some some stories when we stop talking, you know, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I think I had great memories from Alabama. Do you have a favorite set that you ever did or a hardest set? Of course, the 100, 100, you know, when you do the training trip, you know, the 31st of uh, December, you know, the last training of, of the mm-hmm. year. Um, I don't think I had to do it because that morning, some people had to, some people didn't show up to practice, so they did 100, 100, but we did like 80. It's the same thing, 80, 100 is a lot. But then a lot of, um, you know, the 16, 400, I did that in, in, when I was in Argentina. I used to train with like long distance. Uh, uh, the people I used to swim open water in Argentina is very, it's more common than pool, but I love it. Like when I went to Alabama, I swam the mile and things like that. I used to love to swim long distance. I wasn't great, but I liked to swim freestyle. Um, and it helped me for my 200 breaststroke. So it was great. But a lot of I am, we did do like, it was like 12, 400. I am that for me was a lot, you know, for a breaststroker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think, a lot of this, I think a lot of the sets, my mind, that's just disappeared. I don't think I, I want to remember, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Some, a lot of underwater things too, but you get to, you get to like the underwater. Why did you like training distance? 
because I like swimming. Because, you know, I was in the, I love being in the water, even today. You know, some people that they say, okay, I swam for 15 years, you know, so many hours a day. I don't, I don't want to see a pool ever again. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel I'm so lucky that I'm not like that. And it's not, not wrong that they think like that. I totally understand. You no, know? it's not like I'm swimming five hours a day. So after an hour, something is kind of boring. I was like, how did I swim so long? Because it's, it's also the group and the, and the competition and the winning and things like that. But I just liked um, my body naturally. The more I, uh, I swim, the, 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 the more into the rhythm that it gets. So I couldn't sprint. The 100, I, I didn't understand it. You know, I just couldn't do it. I'm too tall. I don't know. I'm not coordinated. But the more I swim, the better I feel. I need to feel really great. So I just swim long distance. Even today, I just put my snorkel on and I swim nonstop. And I just, it's my meditation technique. <laughs> that <laughs> is, know? that is, that sounds like a great meditation. Um, nice yeah. Sport. I mean, I, <laughs> that's really heartwarming to hear that <laughs> you still have that kind of love for swimming after, after the yardage you put in, because like you said, a lot of athletes put in their time and then they're like, I'm never touching a pool again. Mm -hmm. You know, don't even like being in the water, which to me is really sad. Um, because I think being in the water is, is, is like you said, such a great way to clear your head, get a yeah. little meditation, you know, get, yeah. get some good mental health going. And the, exactly. It's the mental health and the body actually gets a lot of benefits from it. You know, your back, your legs, you know, being in the water. Remember, I always tell them when you're, you're when you're a baby, you're in, in your mama's, you know, with with water there. So I think that's why it's also so important to go there, and, and I think it's very healing if you if you want to see it that way. Absolutely, uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. But <laughs> August, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat. It's it's been really great talking to you. Um, do you have any parting thoughts for our audience before we sign off today? Thank you for, for the time and, and thank you for making this a part of uh, the mental health part or mental training or however people would like to, 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 to name it because there's a lot of uh, myths or taboo things about the mental health and then and they, they say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. I don't have to work with you. I don't have any issues, you know. Still, even though the good part of social media also is that people are speaking up they're saying how important it is. So I think that helped us to, to work or to, to break the barrier faster for us, for, for, for the professionals that work in mental health. But it's still a stigma where, you know, if I see Agus means I have an issue and I don't have an issue, I'm a great athlete and trying to understand that this is nothing, uh, that it doesn't define you as a, that you have an issue. Or, 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 or again, I can tell you, what's the problem of having an issue? Like we all have things to, and define me an issue, you know, we'll have things to, to keep developing. And, and again, the higher you, you would like to go, also you have to understand that it's a price you pay as a human being, as a person, your body pays a high price of, 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 of high performance that I think you to take care of yourself, if you, if you love yourself enough, or it's a learning process also to love yourself enough to take care of yourself, because then you, you pay a high price by, you know, we train a lot. And again, we are not born to train a lot. And understanding that 
is awesome. You train, you like to train, good, good for you. And it's nothing against that. But uh, thank you for for making this um, a more normal, a more common topic for everyone to say, um, the stronger I get in the mind, doesn't mean that today I'm weak. It means I'm strong today, I can get stronger and then I can, I can build tools not only for, for my swimming career, soccer career, rugby career, any career you want to, but for the benefit of who surround, your, who surround yourself with every day, either your partner, your, maybe they have a lot of athletes and their parents, you know, and I'm glad they, they come here and, and, and we try to fix things or talk about things or, or, or get better things. So when they go home, they can enjoy their children and they don't have to deal with those things. I think there's a place and time for everything. And people are understanding more and more than spending, again, it's not a lot. You don't have to spend an hour. We, we call it, you know, we do a little, a lot instead of a lot, a little. And if you do a little, then you're fine. You know, the mind works in, in, in very mysterious and beautiful ways. So thank you for, for making me a part of this. And I hope uh, we, we keep helping and, 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 and making people realize that they are way more precious and important than they think they are and the answers they have it inside, you know? And then it's not a cliche thing, it's actually, when you do it, you realize that you have tools and you just have to remind yourself because when you train high performance, you have so many things they have to juggle that if you have that help of like pushing you, helping you push you further, uh, you don't have limits. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.